Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 22 of Indy 11. In today's episode, we are discussing the topic of strengths and weaknesses relevant to football and also just strengths and weaknesses in general in everyday life. We're going to talk a little bit about what my thought process is on what you should focus on more and also maybe a little bit of my strengths and weaknesses both as a footballer and then just kind of my strengths and weaknesses as a person. So without further ado, let's get in. strengths and weaknesses you know if we use the example of a footballer we're talking about what is it that you do better than a lot of other people out on the pitch and what is it that you kind of struggle with and usually causes you to lose the ball or causes you to make mistakes like what are the things that cause you difficulty so when we look at when we look at this, it's kind of looking at your relationship between how much you should focus on your strengths and how much you should focus on your weaknesses, right? There's the idea of some people when it comes to business or other topics say you should just double down on your strengths. Don't worry as much about your weaknesses because if you're really strong in one aspect, then you should be able to compensate for any deficiencies or weaknesses you have on the other side. So just double, triple down on your strength. There's some people of the thought process that is, well, no, you need to become more well-balanced. You need to work on your weaknesses. Your weaknesses need to be worked on to a point where they become your strengths. And for me, specifically, I'm not necessarily in one of those camps or the other. I think I find myself somewhere in between, especially when it comes to soccer. Do I think that you can only double down on your strengths when you're a footballer? Probably not. And the reason being is because you do need to have a certain standard of all, you know, minimum adequate proficiencies, I guess you could say. And I know that's kind of just a lot of big words I just threw in there. But basically what it is, is there needs to be a certain standard across all your kind of technical and tactical aspects as a footballer. And you can't just be a striker who is absolutely amazing at finishing and can strike a ball from anywhere, but your first touch is so poor that it doesn't matter because anytime the ball comes into you, you can't set yourself up to take that shot. You know, there's there's a lot of things, I think, that need to have a certain standard that you meet when it comes to especially if you want to play at the professional level or if you want to play at higher levels. The reason why I think I say I'm a little bit in both camps is because at the same time, as you get higher and higher, especially at the professional level, more of what teams are looking for is something very specific, meaning they're looking for a right back who can do this because they need to add that to their team. Or they're looking for a striker who can score 20 goals a game. They're looking for a winger who can attack and get 15 crosses in down the line. Now, if you're a player who is a good overall well-rounded player, but that's not your strength of scoring those goals, whipping those crosses in as a winger, maybe if it's 1v1 defending as an outside back, if that's not the strength that you possess, then it's not going to matter as much when you're trying to get to that next highest level if you're just an overall well-rounded player. That's all well and good, but it's almost like as you get higher and higher in the levels, they're looking for more specialists. So in a way, you have to maintain the overall balance that you have in your game and become a good, well-rounded player but you do need to double down on your strengths to an extent to, to make yourself more specialized and make yourself more of a weapon when it comes to, yes, he's a really good soccer player, but he's also the best in the league at doing X or the best in the league at doing Y, if that makes sense. I think when you're a youth player and you're growing up and playing in high school and playing 
at the younger ages, the most important thing should be for you to become the best well-rounded footballer that you can be. I don't want young players out there thinking that they need to become super specialized and hyper-specific in whatever position they play or whatever attributes they think are the strongest in their game. Because I think in the long run, that's going to hurt the development of you as a footballer. However, I think as you get older, you do need to kind of take into consideration that idea that everyone is a good footballer. You know, everyone can play at a high level. And more or less, although everyone can't play every position at a, at a really high level, most players have played all the different positions. So they kind of have a tactical understanding of everything. And, you know, it's not like if you were to put Luka Modric out on the wing or at left back or something that he would be completely lost. Now, he might look completely lost because of the fact that he's going against other professional wingers, let's say if he's playing outside back and, and they're going to make him look bad because he's never played that position before at a high level, but he would at least know the basic structure and kind of positionally where he's supposed to be, what some of his actions are that he should be taking during the game and kind of what technique he should be using differing from when he's playing in the sound of the park. So that's kind of my thought process on double down on strengths or just work on your weaknesses. It has to be somewhere in the middle. There has to be a balance with that. So kind of tying into that idea when I'm saying improving upon your weaknesses, I think you also need to, you need to look at a couple things when you're thinking of something as a weakness in your game that you want to improve upon. Is it a weakness that needs to be at a higher level, right? Like, is it a weakness that's really a weakness in your game? Or is it just a weakness that you think is, is, is it a way, I know this isn't making the most sense. Is it a weakness that you just have perceived to be something that you need to be good at in the game? For example, I see lots of players when they, you know, post on social media or YouTube, some of their training, or when I see younger players train, there's so much like freestyle juggling and juggling tricks and a lot of 1v1 moves and just things like that. And while there is a time and a place for that and that can add to your game, I think that that may be something that you've, that you've developed this idea in your head that freestyle juggling is somehow going to benefit you as a footballer in the long run or, you know, doing cone weaves for hours and hours is going to develop you as a footballer it, it will make you a better dribbler it will make your touch a little bit better but I think it's such a a narrow-minded view of how to actually improve upon those deficiencies if you think those are deficiencies in your game with that being said as well you also have to look at it from a position standpoint of if I'm a center back no I don't really need to have all those super flary and technical skills and be able to do all of those things with the ball. Yes, it's nice to be able to, but is that really going to take my game to the next level? Is that a weakness that if I improve upon, you're going to see a drastic difference in my game? I would say if you spend hours and hours learning how to do it around the world as a center back, I don't know how much of that you're really going to see pay a dividend for you when you're actually on the pitch in 11v11 match. So that's just something that I want people to consider as well is really take an honest look at yourself and think, what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? And then analyze that from, okay, what are the strengths and weaknesses that are going to directly impact me every time I step out on the pitch for an 11v11 match? If I'm an excellent crosser of the ball, that's a strength that is completely tangible and you'll see it all the time within a match, especially if you're playing in a team that likes to whip in a lot of crosses and you're playing in a wider position. If my weakness is that, and I'm obviously catering this a little bit more towards me because I play outside back. So if my weakness is that I'm a poor 1v1 defender, that's a weakness that's going to be pretty obvious in an 11v11 match, especially if you're playing against a team that has wingers that like to attack and like to dribble at you. So that's part of it. It's just be honest with yourself and really look at the things that 
you think you can improve upon or you think that you're already really good at and then use it in the context of an actual game, right? Like if you don't think that you're the best, I'm like I'll use me right now. I'm not the best 1v1 dribbler or I'm not the best 1v1 attacker. But I have part of my practice, part of my training dedicated to that but I really don't spend a lot of time on that. And the reason being is because for me to then become much better at 1v1 attacking, it would force me to then change my game and change the way that I play. And I think the times you would see me in 1v1 attacking situations would be so small, such a small percentage of the game that even if I was to get amazing at 1v1 attacking, it, you just wouldn't see enough of a enough of a payout for that just based on the way I play. And so I kind of made the decision like, let me play the way that suits my game the best. Playing quickly, playing one-two touch, still getting crosses into the ball, being positionally aware, being tactically a smart player. So that's, I guess, kind of the example of how you can work, play a little bit more towards your strengths and not necessarily avoid your weaknesses, I know I still need to work on dribbling because there's going to be times where you're not able to play one-two touch and you need to take a player on 1v1. But I'm not the type of player that's going to go into a match saying I'm going to take 10 players on 1v1. You know, I'll probably take on maybe two to three a game, and that's a max. So, like I said, look at your strengths and weaknesses, analyze them, and be, be hard on yourself and then think about them in just the context of a real game. You know, what type of player are you? What type of situations are you going to find yourself in? What are the skills that you really need to focus on? And what are the skills that maybe when it comes to a game don't actually matter as much? You know, I'll tell you right now, if you say that your weakness is your first touch, you don't have a great first touch, it doesn't matter what position you play, that's one that you're going to have to work on. You're absolutely going to have to. But if you say that your weakness is that you're not as strong on the ball and you feel like you need to add strength, you need to add weight, well, if you play a winger, if you play as a winger and you're super crafty on the ball and super technical and maybe you can work on more of your explosive speed or your speed of play, I would argue that no, you probably don't actually need to get into the gym and put on as much weight or as much strength and power as you think you might. And part of that too is ask players that you play with and ask coaches that you've played for to give you an honest description of what they think your strengths and weaknesses are. What do they think that you bring to the game and what do they think that you can work on? And then if what they're saying as your strength strengths and weaknesses are completely different from what you're saying, then I think it might be time to reconsider kind of your evaluation of yourself. Especially if what you're saying is your strengths, they're saying everyone around you is that your weakness, then that might be something that you really need to reconsider. My guess is if you're honest enough with yourself that you'll have some similarities and then maybe they'll be able to look at some things that you can't really see from your own perspective from your own lens and they'll be able to add that in and give you a kind of full well-rounded picture of who you are as a player so then you can move forward and and better yourself because that's all that this podcast is really talking about this episode specifically is how can you use your strengths and weaknesses to then make yourself the better player you know what can you work on what do you maybe not need to focus on as much because we only have a certain amount of time each day that we can really dedicate to training and dedicate to high-level training. So we don't want to waste time working on things that aren't going to benefit us in the long run or are only going to benefit us a marginal amount. Again, like I said, make it relevant to your game, who you are as a player, what type of player that you want to be. Also make it relevant to the position that you play as well. Think about a lot of the actions that you'll be doing in a game in your position, and then think about how your strengths and weaknesses are going to come into play with that. And what type of 
player that will shape you into becoming. You know, as a center midfielder, if you're super aggressive and super tactical and you're always in the right position, you can make tackles and break up the play, that's a valued commodity. And that's a strength that you can work on even more by increasing your athletic ability, increasing the your vision, increasing how often you actually watch the game so you can read the play better and, and make more interceptions and break up the play easier. A weakness for you may be that you can't play out of the back as well. That's something that I think that you should focus on. Focus on your first touch, focus on your passing ability and your speed of play, maybe checking your shoulders. How quickly can you see the picture behind you and turn out of pressure? But if a part of that weakness is you feel like you can't, then push the ball forward and drive past opponents and become that kind of playmaking or deep line playmaker, maybe that's something that I wouldn't focus as much of my attention on because it might not be who you are as a player and you might spend all this time trying to mold yourself into a completely different player than what you are. You just might be asking of yourself too much all at once. In, in speaking about this training and speaking about this strengths and weaknesses development, this can also be the type of thing where it changes and progresses over time. It can be something where you're focusing on a specific weakness for a certain block of your training period. And then as you, you know, step into an 11 v 11, you start to realize, okay, this isn't as much of a weakness as I thought it was. My new weakness is this. So in that context of that center midfielder, I think it's more important for you to master that ability to turn out of pressure and connect with your teammates first before it is to be able to turn out of pressure and then drive past opponents, right? It's kind of the, the walk before you run type scenario. And I'm, I don't want to overload a player and say, you need to work on all these things all at once. And then you, know, you get to a point where both your ability to turn out of pressure and connect with your opponents is okay. And then your ability to drive past opponents is also okay. You know, it's just, again, it's back to the top of this episode. It's finding a balance between your strengths and your weaknesses. There should be a lot of emphasis placed upon your strengths because that's what you're going to do a lot in a match. And you want your strengths to be so quality and so good that maybe they hide a little bit of those weaknesses and they hide a little bit of those deficiencies. You know, you're always going to play to your strengths. You're always going to try and put yourself in the position to be able to do the things that you do well and do them often, you know, and this is, this is different for every person, but you have to just think about how high of a level you want your strengths to be. Can you put them in a position where, you know, let, let's think about this in, in terms of statistics or percentages for a second. You know, let's use the example of me as a right back again. So let's say... I think a strength of mine is that I can whip a good ball into the box, which I do. I think that's a fairly good attribute of mine to have. So for me, I think it's more valuable of me to work on my strength there, whipping balls into the box, so that when I'm put in those positions, I can get a success rate or a percentage of you know upwards of 75, 80, 90% of the balls that come into me that I'm looking to whip into the box are good quality balls that players can get on the end of or they're dangerous or they lead to a goal scoring opportunity. I think that's more valuable than the flip side of that is if I maybe split that time and then I spend the other half on some of my weaknesses that I think, you know, maybe my 1v1 attacking maybe my shooting or or something like that. Now, if I spend some of my training time allotted towards those things, right? Shooting or 1v1 attacking or something like that. Now, yes, when I'm in those situations where I have to shoot or I have to take a player on 1v1, I might be a little bit better. But when I'm back in those situations where I need to whip in those crosses, now if my success rate is only... 
50% of the time or 60% of the time because I haven't mastered that craft and gotten the best I can at that specific technical ability, I think that's kind of a waste in my opinion, right? You know, that idea of the marginal gain kind of. Yes, I can work on those weaknesses, but it's only going to bring me so far. Now, again, like I said, there's certain things where they can't be a weakness for me. You know, as a right back, if I can't hit a longer pass, that can't really be a, a true, true weakness for me. I think it is a little bit of a weakness in my game right now in how accurate I can be. Can I hit longer diagonal passes out to the other side of the field? Can I hit longer passes in behind defenders to a striker running on or, you know, clip balls in behind for the winger? I think that's something that needs to improve upon my game. It's, I wouldn't say a weakness, but a weak area of my game that I think isn't as accurate as when I'm whipping balls into the box and, and putting in dangerous crosses like that. So that's something that I think I need to raise that standard that minimum standard for that weakness. So that's something that I won't mind dedicating the time into because I know regardless of the way I play, it's going to be something that's going to come up in the game and it's going to be something that I'm going to be asked to do and required to do. Versus, like I said, you know, the 1v1 attacking or the skill moves or, or shots or something like that. Tying into that as well, you have to think about what's the, how much of it's going to be related to the game you know how much of what you're working on is actually going to come up in the game meaning you know if you're a player that spends a whole session just working on free kicks I would argue that's probably not the best use of your time it's because at most you'll take two three free kicks in a scoring position a game and I just I argue, you know, the time that you'll spend in other game situations is going to be so much more than those specific free kicks. I think it's it's nice to mix up your training once in a while and, and add a free kick session or add a segment of your session where you're taking a lot of free kicks so that you feel comfortable in those situations. But, you know, especially if you're not even the free kick taker on your team or you're not even the top three and you're just working on your free kicks over and over and you're number four on the depth chart, I would argue, you know, what is what is the end goal there? Is it to just become so good at your free kicks that then you become number one? But And then, you know, you, you spent a lot of time not really working on your game as a whole. So will you, you know, see the same amount of success in the actual run of play or will you get the same amount of game time? Because typically... The way you actually become the free kick taker, and you know maybe I'm wrong, but this is my opinion a little bit as a former coach and just what I've seen from playing. The way you actually become the new free kick taker is not that you just take a thousand free kicks every practice and you become really good at it. The way you actually become the new free kick taker is you work a lot on your technical ability and in the run of play you start to play passes that are, are super accurate, are super creative. You can put some whip on them. You can put some bend on them. And as you become more accurate in the run of play, people start to notice that. And people start to notice what you're able to do with your feet and what kind of passes you're able to play. And now that idea is in their head as they're looking to then take those set pieces. Like, I just think... If you're not that great in run of play, but then you are just fantastic at free kicks, that's not necessarily something that's going to lead you to being the free kick taker. You know, you look at who takes free kicks for most of their teams. Oftentimes it's the person who is the best in the run of play. It's a center midfielder. You know, it's for City... For Man City, it's a number of different players. It's Kevin De Bruyne, or oftentimes it's a striker because they spend a lot of times striking a ball. I believe for United, like Bruno Fernandez takes them, or Rashford takes them. And, you know, very rarely are you going to see those times where the 
left back or the right back or something is going to come up and take a free kick because they've been practicing them forever. You know, the Trent Alexander-Arnolds of the world are a little bit more rare than you think. So I think working on you becoming the better player in the run of play is actually maybe how you kind of secretly then become the better set-piece taker. So, I mean, really just the point of that little sidebar was focus on the things, right? When you look at a footballer, the I think the statistic is like, a footballer will be in possession or on the ball a max of like eight minutes a game or something like that, or it might even be less than that, like six minutes a game. So I would do everything I can to make those six minutes quality versus those 30 seconds when I'm hitting a dead ball. Let's take a break to talk about support for the In the 11 podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 11 at manscaped.com. Now, if my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. Now, listen, here's the deal, gentlemen. The Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, and it is a game changer. Now, I know we got a lot of ballers out here, right? We got a lot of coaches out here. A lot of you, I know in your sessions, in your games, you're constantly saying, you got to take care of the ball, but you're not taking care of your own. It's crazy. It's it's wild, and we got to change that here, and Manscaped's going to help you do that. So, first off, we've got the Lawnmower 4.0, and it is the future of men's below-the-waist grooming, and that is because of their advanced skin safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof. It has a 400K LED spotlight. So no more going blind in the bathroom, getting hair all over the floor, right? Pop in the shower, you've got the light as well, easy, and you're done, on to the next one. Now, same goes for that weed whacker, the Manscaped weed whacker for your ear and nose hair trimming necessities. You've got the proprietary skin safe technology, which is gonna help reduce with nicks snags, and tugs in those delicate, sensitive areas. Now, last but not least, we can't forget about the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. A lot of you guys, I know you've got a routine with your recovery, right? You've got pregame rituals, you've got postgame rituals, a recovery routine that you do after, right? Hopping in an ice bath, whatever it is, you have to add you're below the waist care to that. You've got to take care of your balls, gentlemen. You don't want to be playing 90 minutes and then you come in and you're sweaty and disgusting and you're not taking care of yourself. You got, you got to do it. And Manscaped, like I said, is here to help you in that department. And who knows? Maybe that special someone that's in your life coming to the game, watching you play. You know, you play a good 90 minutes, maybe you bag a goal. I don't know. You want to be ready. You want to be prepared. You don't want to be in a situation where you are left without Manscaped. Now, just because Manscaped is hooking you up and they want to take care of you, the Performance Package 4.0 has a couple of goodies thrown in there. They've got the Manscaped boxer briefs and they threw in a little carry-on bag just to travel with all of your Manscaped products, whether you're going for an away game, right? It's a road trip, you're in a plane, whatever. Chuck all your Manscaped products in there. You don't have to think about it. You can forget about it and make sure that you're still taken care of. So it is time, gentlemen, because your balls will thank you. It is time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off with free shipping using the code 11. That's 20% off with free shipping using the code 11, E-L-E-V-E-N at manscaped.com. That is 20 whole percent off of your order. 20% off your order with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code 11, unlock your confidence, and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And that's just my personal opinion. Like I said, it's not something that I'm saying take it completely out of your training, but you know, if you, if you tell me that you had a session where you showed up, you did freestyle juggling for an hour, you, or not an hour, let's say you did freestyle juggling for 20 minutes for your warm-up, then you put down cones and you did the cone weave or the cone snake with dribbling for 30 minutes. Then you worked on just taking a touch and shooting at the top of the box. 
for another 20 minutes and then you finish with 20 minutes of free kicks, I, <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't say that's a good session. I'm just, I'm being honest with you. Um, because it, it's just so much of that is, is so hyper-specific and, and I don't think that you're going to use it as much as you really think that you are in a game. Like, and especially too, it drives me insane when I see players go and train and they'll have like two or three of them together and they will, you know, work on free kicks for 30 minutes or they'll do those dribbling drills, those dribbling cone weave drills into a shot. When they have, you know, they have a training partner or they have three guys there, you know, let this be my bold statement of this podcast. If you ever are training with more than just yourself, don't do a dribbling cone weave drill. If you have a training partner, don't do a dribbling cone weave drill in that session. Those types of exercises, in my opinion, should only be done when it's just you that's training. Use what you have in your training session to your advantage. If you have a partner, do things that you can do with a partner. Passing, crossing, finishing. Like, use the resources at your disposal. If you have more than one training partner, incorporate things that involve three players. You know, if you have a full group of guys, you know, don't do individual training when you're with other people that you can start to replicate the game action. You can start to replicate things that you're actually going to see in a match. It just... (laughs) <laughs> it drives me insane. It makes no sense to me. You know, you're doing a drill that you could just do by yourself, yet you have three or four other people here. Like it's it's a waste of everybody's time. And and you can you can add so many and honestly, in my training now when I go and train with coaches, it's shown me how much even my training was lacking. How much you can add decision making and pressure and other aspects to training to make it as game realistic as possible like there's a there's a time and a place for block training and as we talk about this strengths and weaknesses idea as a whole a lot of it can be incorporated into block training right you have a strength it is putting crosses into the box you can bring a bag of balls to the field you can take a touch out of your feet and whip 100 balls into the box. That's block structure training is going to be the same thing every time. And it's going to add something to your game. It's going to make you a little bit better. Your weakness is that you have a poor first touch out of the air. You can bring a ball to a wall and you can juggle against the wall and you can see how many times you can keep it up. You can do one touch, two touch, all different parts of your feet. Block structured training. When you start to add players into your training environment and you add other factors, now you can add the idea of the pressure and you can add the idea of decision-making and taking a look and trying to just replicate smaller little actions that you'll see in the game. It's not going to be the same as 11 v 11, but it's going to be as close as you can get. So maybe the start of your training session with a partner is still some block exercises. It's, it's just hitting long balls back and forth to each other. There's value in that. I'm not saying there's not value in that. But there's start where you start to become even more valuable and even adding more to your training is, you know, when you work on that first touch out of the air, your partner throws the ball up into you. You're looking to take it down into a gate to your right or left, but your partner takes away one gate after they throw the ball. So it requires you to look to see where the defender's coming from, then take your first touch away from pressure. You know, or it can be the opposite where the ball's coming into you. You need to check over your shoulder to see where the defender is coming from and then take your touch away or, you know, turn out in the opposite direction of where the defender is coming from. That's been such a huge thing that I've started to add when I'm able to train with more people that I really think is paying dividends in my game. I think that I've had the opportunity to work on my strengths, double down on my strengths, but also improve some of my weaknesses, become a better, well-rounded footballer, but make myself that 
kind of specialized player that I spoke about at the top of the episode. And I think it's going to be, you know, as negative as the year was not being able to to play because of COVID. It was a positive because it really allowed me specifically to take my individual game to, to the next level, which I don't know if it would have if I was just, you know, playing in a team and training on my own because I've learned how to train better. I've learned how to analyze this idea, the strengths and the weaknesses. I've learned how to do it better than I have in the past. So I think it's going to get me that much cl- that much closer to achieving this dream. So speaking of that, speaking of that dream, we we have a tell us about your dream this week. So let's take a quick break and talk about some dreams. So the cool thing about this podcast is that I in being able to see kind of where so many of you are listening from this podcast has been able to kind of reach people all over the globe and that's been so awesome to me and I hope that that can continue to happen we can continue to connect with other markets and and other countries and and you know because this idea is universal of chasing your dream whether you're an American or whether you're an Australian it's it's something that all of us can relate to so I think that's just an amazing thing to be able to have this community kind of budding and and creating. So this Tell Us About Your Dream actually comes from Simone Kabalika, and I apologize if I butchered that pronunciation, but Simone wrote that their Tell Us About Your Dream is basically that they have a YouTube channel and they want to become a, a successful YouTuber, a successful YouTube influencer, and they want to make a career out of it and you know want to do well and want to be able to financially support themselves from YouTube and growing a network and growing a community. And I haven't got a chance to check out their page yet, but I definitely will after this episode. And so they kind of ask what, you know, what, what action should I take? What should I do to grow a YouTube channel or what should I do to grow a brand? And I think it's a good question that I don't know if I'm the most qualified to speak on, but I'll talk about kind of what I've experienced in trying to grow this platform. Cause I'm sure it's maybe a question that others have out there who want to start a podcast, want to start a YouTube channel. The number one thing that I've always seen, heard, researched about when it comes to doing something like this is consistency. You just have to consistently put in the work, even when the results aren't showing themselves. You know, in the very beginning, when I started posting these episodes, the you know, the very first one did so well because everyone was intrigued and excited. Oh, what's this new project that Brendan's doing? I, I want to take a look. And then, you know, as you would expect it, it fizzled out a little bit. And then there were certain episodes that haven't really done so well. And I think at the end of the day, it just, you can't expect it to just continuously grow as you grow your brand. You know, in terms of numbers, in terms of streams, in terms of listens, you have to be patient and you have to just trust the process. And most of the people who have built enormous platforms, you look at where they've come from and really they're not at the point that they are overnight. It takes them years and years and years of posting consistent content to be able to get to a point where maybe they can do it full time or maybe they can do it professionally. So that would be my number one piece of advice about if you wanna start a YouTube channel, and this example is just post consistently. You know, if you have, if your channel is post once a week, make sure that you're posting once a week and don't skip weeks. And, you know, if the numbers start to go down, don't just throw in the towel and say, ah, it's, you know, it's never going to take off. Keep going, just keep going and worry a little bit less about if each and every single 
video is quality and if it's the best one that you put out. You know, there's some of these episodes where I know are really, really good. And as soon as I hit stop recording, I'm like, yeah, that was awesome. That was one of my best episodes yet. Some of the interviews I've had have been amazing. Some of the episodes that I've done, I know haven't been the best. I know I'm, I I press stop recording and I'm like, oh, I wish, I wish I could have said this, or I wish I could have been more clear or concise. But again, what I always go back to is I think there's value in me having this podcast and having this platform with all of you and me kind of trying to figure it out right alongside with you. My, my idea for this is always, you know, not for me to just come up here and sit on a soapbox and, and tell you how to live or tell you the way that the world works. Cause I definitely don't know. There's lots of things that I need to learn, but what I kind of hope that this podcast could be is, is more of a dialogue between myself and, and you, the listener. And, you know, you may listen to something that I say and you're like, well, maybe, but also maybe not. I don't really agree with what Brendan's saying on there. I actually think it's it should be a lot different than that. And I think that's okay because what I think, you know, like I said, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show you a journey. I'm trying to show you a process and there's going to be a lot of mistakes that I make in this. And there's a lot of mistakes that I've already made that you've probably heard in episodes. And, you know, I talk about what decisions I made or why I did this. And you might think, well, why the hell would you do that? And so I'm trying to just be as authentic as I can and give you my opinions on, on things and, and share stories and share experiences. So that's what I would say is try and do that in a YouTube channel. And maybe you have a YouTube channel where, you know, it's not really a storytelling platform. It's not really you're sharing things about your personal life. Maybe you're talking about a passion that you have and, you know, you're talking about entrepreneurship, you're talking about art, you're talking about music, whatever it is, post consistently, but also, you know, kind of show your journey with, developing whatever it is that you're developing, you know, be honest, be authentic when it comes to, you know, if your YouTube channel is that you review music, you review music albums when they come out, you know, be authentic and be yourself and don't just try and come up on a platform and say, this is what this album was. And anyone who disagrees with it is an idiot. Like, no, I, I don't, even even in this today, as I'm telling you all about how to train strengths and weaknesses and how to, you know, what I think is the best for becoming a better footballer. Like there's some things that I said in here that were very like concrete and definite answers. Don't do this, do this. And I, I said that because I feel really passionate about those things. And I don't think that they were that far of a of a hot take, you know, for me to say, Hey, don't spend an hour on freestyle juggling. If you want to be a good actual 11, 11 footballer, I don't think that's that much of a hot take, but at the same time, it might be to some people and it might be, it might be seen as me thinking I'm an expert and I'm definitely not an expert. So, you know, to just sum it up, like what action should I take if I'm trying to develop a YouTube channel, develop a brand, just be consistent be authentic and kind of allow your audience to meet you and, and get to know you as, as well as engaging with your content, whatever that is. And so I hope that, you know, that's something that I'm doing with this channel. And I hope that if I'm not, that you guys would let me know and hopefully, uh, hopefully we can continue to do that. Just continue to grow and, you know, kind of, take you along with me for the ride. So that was good. I like that. Uh, that was uh, not as specific as some of the other tell us about your dreams that we've had, but I like that one. Because I think it's applicable to, you know, even more than just a YouTube channel. You know, it's applicable to whatever you're chasing in life is, you know, try and be as consistent as you can and try and be as authentic as you can and 
as real as you can along the way. The last portion of this podcast was dedicated to kind of me breaking down what I think are my strengths and weaknesses as a footballer and, you know, talking about some of the things that I've worked on. But I think I've already kind of touched for you in this episode what those were. You know, I, I think to, to summarize, I, as a footballer, I have a really good understanding of the game, I think. I think I'm versatile. I can play a number of different positions and I can understand the game well, read the game well, and, and be tactically sound. I think technically I'm pretty good. I don't think I'm great. I don't think it's where I want it to be. But I know that my technical ability is something that, again, like I said, that it just you have to have it at at least a certain standard. So I'm constantly, constantly working on my technical ability. And then I think maybe specifically to right back, you know, I can get in good areas, I can put in good service and and be dangerous from an attacking standpoint. And I can make good runs and and be creative and effective in that way. From a weaknesses standpoint, I think I kind of mentioned it already, not a good 1v1 attacker. I know that that's not a position that I like to get myself in and I you know, don't do super well when I'm in those moments. I think I can become a better 1v1 defender. I think it used to be a huge, huge weakness in my game, but it was something, like I said, that I couldn't, you can't have that as a huge glaring weakness in your game because you'll get found out quickly. So I had to work on that a lot. And a lot of that was becoming a better athlete overall, becoming quicker, becoming faster, becoming more explosive. So I've become better at that, but there's still work that I need to do in that department. I need to become a better 1v1 defender for sure. I would also say I need to become better in my range of passing. I think in, you know, in and around 10, 15 yards, kind of short, sharp, I'm quality, but need to become even more accurate as you, you know, extend that range and become looking to play low driven balls into your striker's feet or in behind or, you know, curled balls in behind, lofted, chipped, whatever the technique is required. I think as my range increases, sometimes the quality decreases a little bit. So those are some of the weaknesses that I think are in my game and you know if you're a listener if you're a coach that I've played for if you're a player that I've played with definitely let me know if you think some of those things are accurate if some of those things are just rubbish (laughs) that I'm not actually good at the things that I think I'm good at let me know I think also I'm kind of basing it off a little bit of when I brought James on, who was my is my individual coach and trainer, some of the things that he said as well, you know, I'm taking that into consideration. Like I said in the in the top, think about what the people around you are saying as well, and they should kind of match up a little bit. You know, it shouldn't be complete polar opposites. So, to to sum it all up, I just think in the idea of strengths versus weaknesses, you should. You should find a balance. You should find the best balance that you can between don't become a player that just doubles down on your weakness or doubles down on your strengths and you only work on the things that you're amazing at and that you love to do because that's kind of the tendency is if you're really good at something, it's that much more fun to just do that. Like if you're really good at shooting, it's tempting to just go to a session every day and just shoot all day long because you're really good at it and it's fun to be good at things. On the flip side of that, don't then spend all your time simply working on your weaknesses. Find the weaknesses that you feel are a weakness in your game, but they also are going to be really important when it comes to you playing an 11v11. Then focus on those things first and then kind of divvy out your training accordingly. Maybe it's 60% of the time you're focusing on your strengths and training, 40% of the time you're working on your weaknesses. And then as you train and train and and maybe you move into a new phase of your training and you realize, okay, 
those weaknesses are now in a better spot. So maybe I can go, you know, for this next month, I can go 70% strengths, 30% weaknesses. Or, ah, those weaknesses still aren't really at the level where I need them to be. And it's causing me difficulty when I go to training every day. So I need to, you know, flip the script a little bit and I need to go 60% of the weaknesses, 40% of the strengths. Like you growing and developing as a footballer and, and becoming the best person that you can be is always evolving and it's always changing. So, you know, don't, don't go into everything with the same mindset, just, you know, day after day, week after week, month after month. And you, you really have to look at yourself with a critical lens and, and see how you're developing and how you're doing. And if things need to change, then things need to change. So I hope that this was helpful a little bit. I hope that this maybe gave some insight into what kind of things you should be looking at when you're analyzing yourself as a player and, and then how to then go and take that into training and implement that into a training. Because I know I talked a little bit about what are some of the things that you should and shouldn't be doing when you're training you know, by yourself, with other people, etc. So I think that about covers it for today, for Strengths and Weaknesses. Thank you all for listening along with me today and, and being a part of this one. I appreciate it. Episode 21 has, has been awesome. A lot of people liked it, and I'm happy that we kicked off the new year in the right way. Sorry that this episode is a couple hours late. It's just been really busy, and just a... Just a crazy, crazy bit of time just with uh, work and, as I mentioned, 21, just preparing for, for a lot of new change in the new year. And, you know, I'm excited to share it all with you and I can't wait to, to talk about everything and to have you guys be a part of a new chapter and, and something exciting. So thank you so much again for listening you can do the do the rounds for me do the usual you know if you're new here subscribe follow like comment all of those types of things check out the podcast on instagram and tiktok in the 11 pod if you want to get at me over email in the 11 pod at gmail.com i also can take you know, if you want to just email me your tell us about your dream, I would love to have it, whether it's, you know, in the actual form submission or on an email, I can take it out anyway. Definitely want to do more tell us about your dreams. So I'll post that link again below. So please click on that and have your dream read aloud on the podcast. And it's a, I think it's an awesome little way for us to kind of just discuss the community at large and, and maybe for me to give some some insight or a fresh perspective onto something that you guys are going through. So yeah, that covers it for the plugs. I appreciate you all. Thanks so much. Stay tuned for episode 23 and I'll talk to you more soon.